Well, hello to all listeners here on Birding with Alan uh, on Chat Sapphire, and welcome to my first uh, chat podcast. Uh, there's just so much to talk about on this topic of birds that I'm going to be bringing to you hopefully uh, bi-weekly, and uh, I have to say I'm really, really excited about these chats. Uh, what I'm really hoping to achieve in the long run is that we can encourage active birders at the moment to become even more passionate about birds. But uh, I would really, really like to persuade prospective birders to join us for this brilliant pastime and hobby. There will be a, um, a lot of talk about a whole lot of different things about birds and what birds can do. And I'll be covering a lot of different subjects. Uh, just to give you an example, um, different habitats in South Africa, it's, it's really uh, important to know where to find certain birds. Uh, typical garden birds I'll be talking about. We'll be discussing raptors, LBJs. We call them LBJs while a lot of people do uh, little brown jobs because people see these brown birds and, and kind of like ignore them because they're a little bit hard to identify. But they, they have become one of my favorite because uh, they make up for it uh, with uh, beautiful, beautiful sounds and bird calls. Uh, I'll also be chatting about endemic birds um, in Southern Africa, endemic breeding birds, which is, there's only a few, about five, I think. Uh, we'll talk about bird sounds and calls. I'll be giving identification tips. And uh, we'll also be discussing a whole lot of different things that are happening on the calendar, like birding adventures, World Birding Days, uh, etc. that's coming up. I'll also discuss um, a lot of the times, like this weekend, I'll be going to a camping down the south coast, uh, where I'm going. No, I'm going down the north coast, or I like to say up the north coast. And uh, we're going to the um, sand forest. So I can let you know about the yeah, the little extra special birds that I find that for myself we can discuss these things as well. But on with my talk, uh, I just need to let you know that birding is something you can really do at any time. And done thoroughly, it can be really very, very exciting and, of, and really satisfying. Especially as you start marking down your own list and you find a new board, bird, yeah, you can mark it down the time you saw it, where you saw it, was it a male, was it a female, did you see the nest, did you see the eggs? And uh, these are what we call in our terms a lifer. And people come and say, well, how many lifers you got? You say, well, such and such, 365, 400, 500, 900, whatever. And uh, that's what we call lifers. What I would hopefully achieve is to give advice on basic essentials for um, making birds really interesting for you. Um, that'll be my talk today, before we really get onto the birds, because I think it's really important for you to be kitted up with the correct stuff and you know what you're gonna have with you and to make your birding much more easier and much more enjoyable if you've really got the right tools with you. So the basic essentials for all birders, I think would be binoculars, a notebook, a notebook is very important, you know, because um, for me, if you're out in the wild, especially, well, if you don't have your camera with you, because I know the camera, sometimes you can get a quick snapshot 
of what you're looking at and it can give you a lot of answers to what your questions might be later but if you've got your bird work you know your your notebook with you you can make little notes down about oh it had a couple of bristles uh, you know above the beak and oh, there's a slight yellow stripe in the wing and uh, this and that about the size you know the main color where it is is it open is it in the, in the bush or the bush felt so i think um, a notebook is very essential and um, you must also have one or more field uh, bird field guides and uh, <laughs> the main thing you must have is a lot and a lot of enthusiasm oh my goodness i can hear a beautiful gray-headed shrike in the background with that beautiful low whistle call it's so beautiful to sit here and just as i'm chatting to you you can hear this beautiful in the background of this beautiful beautiful shrike fantastic all right now where was i um the other good thing is, is is to hook up with a lot of birding buddies, people that can help you and discuss or even argue about the different birds that you're both looking at, which is really, really healthy because by uh, talking about this, you can learn a lot, both of you, so or three or four or five of you. It's, it's, it's really a good thing to have uh, birding buddies with you. So let's start from the beginning. You're sitting at home, you're relaxing, and you see some birds and you want to know what they are. So... The question is, what next? Well, as I said earlier, let's start with the first one, binoculars. If you went to any of the outdoor shops looking for some really nice binoculars, it becomes very, very difficult because there are so many nowadays. I'll tell you, 40 years ago it was much simpler. But uh, the binoculars weren't that diverse at the time and couldn't do what they can do now. Um, there are basically two types of binocular prism designs uh, that is the standard poro prism it's not something that you need to know but uh, there's a standard uh, poro prism and the roof prism uh, with the latter being you know a bit more modern of 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 these two uh, these are yeah yeah i would say a lot more modern than the old um poro prism they're very lightweight streamlined compact and they have a higher magnification and a much clearer image but the cons that they they are a little bit more expensive so you really need to see what you can afford uh, without this thing becoming such a big expensive exercise but i find if you have less moving parts um like like these ones because it's almost like a h shape they uh, become uh, more dustproof uh, the poro prisms uh, of, are a little cheaper, and uh, they do have a good 3D image, but uh, and they have a wide field of view, but they're a lot bulkier and, and, and heavier, and they have a very much lower magnification. But when you go to the shop, try them out and have a look and see which one uh, suits you the most. We'll, we'll just go over just now. There are other types. Uh, there's night vision, binoculars, uh, there's marine binoculars, there's astronomy binoculars, uh, you know, but I don't think we should get too carried away here. Um, if you do go to the shops and um, look for something, I'm going to tell you now, don't test your binoculars through the window, for example. Rather get outside, look at something about 200 meters away, zoom in and, and see if you get a nice clear image that suits you. I think the binoculars must be comfortable. How do they feel? Easy to carry. 
And um, the other thing is also try and get something uh, with a sharp edge to it so you can see if, you know, how clear it is um, at a far distance. But I think the most important thing for me, the most important thing, <laughs> and I learned this uh, nearly 40 years ago when I started um, birding, was that I bought a pair of binoculars and they were cheap enough for me. I thought, oh, this is great, I'm going to go birding. They were like 10 by 50s or something. They were the uh, Poro prisms. And so I went birding. And then suddenly I found myself walking in the forest. And I heard this bird, it must have been about three or four meters away, making this noise in the bush. So I tried to zoom in on this and see what I could find. But I found that I couldn't reach it because the, the distance from the front of my binox to it was too close. I had to walk back meters and meters and meters and meters just to get a look at this bird. Yeah, I think it's, it's very important to check the minimum focusing point, as I've just mentioned, and have it at least two and a half meters. Uh, so that you can actually zoom into something fairly close. I think that that to me is one of the most important parts of looking for a nice pair of binoculars. Uh, they they come in different sizes, um, but the typical size used by most birders, I would say, is an 8x42. Um, and the meanings of these sizes are just for those of you that are not too sure. The 8, the eight part of the 42 um, that I referred to just now is the power magnification. But uh, rather stay eight or eight above because seven and lower starts becoming a little bit inadequate for what we really want to achieve out there. The 42, on the other hand, refers to the diameter of the exit lens. So the larger this lens, the greater the light gathering abilities and the field of vision. So um, when you're out there, start testing, looking around, there's a whole lot of different sizes, but as I said, the 8x42s seem to be the one that um, a lot of the birders uh, like and, and like to use. There are also a lot of field guides out there, a lot of field guides, um, and there's some really good ones, and um, I have to say that um, I'm kind of happy with most of them, and I've got a library full of these field guides. I just love them. If a new book comes out, I buy it. But the ones I tend to use a lot is the Cecil and the uh, Roberts. Uh, I find them very, very adequate. Too much so sometimes, but they are really, really good uh, field guides. But there are some more out there which you can go and buy. And um, that will obviously help you when you're going out there to try and find, you know, what bird is this, what bird is that. Uh, they come in apps as well. So you could actually buy the app or download the app um, like the Roberts, and then, of course, the Cecil, uh, which helps you a lot. You know, they've got the bird sounds on there, uh, which I find very, very, very important because sometimes when you are looking for a bird and you're looking in that bush, you're seeing this little bird fluttering around, and then you hear the sound, and that just suddenly your mind changes. Oh, that's exactly what it is. I mean, sometimes we hear the um, sunbirds, and they've got such beautiful sounds and they flit around so fast sometimes. But as you walk in the forest and, and, and as you start learning the sounds of the bird, you, you know exactly what you're looking for before you even start because there's two characteristic calls of the, for example, the, um, the um, olive sunbird. Once you know the sounds of, of the birds, like this one specifically, it makes it so much easier to then go out and uh, identify the bird itself. So 
To close off what I've been talking about most of the time now is um, get yourself a nice pair of binoculars, a good field guide, and of course, <laughs> as I said before, a lot of enthusiasm. But I can tell you this weekend I'm going camping up, up the north coast. <laughs> oh boy, I nearly got that wrong again. Up the north coast to the sand forest. And we basically going there to you know, generally camp and enjoy ourselves and look at the game, etc. But there's no ways I'm not going to take my my binoculars with me and, and do my best to try and spot some of the birds that I love in that area. Being, let me tell you, there's, there's four specific ones I'm really looking for, and that's the pink-throated twin spot, which is endemic, the near-guards sunbird, which too is also endemic, and then, of course, the lemon-breasted canary, which is near-endemic, and uh, Rudd's apelis or palis, whatever the way you, how you want to um, pronounce it, which is also near-endemic. And um, I'll tell you what we do when we chat next time. I'll just tell you a little short, brief talk about how it went and what birds we saw in that area. But uh, just uh, an idea. If you're going to go birding, it's always good to look at your field guide um, look and see what birds are in that specific area and then listen to the sounds. Once you know that, it gives you a great opportunity to know and get excited about um, wanting to find certain birds and all birds actually in, in that area. So um, that's it for, for now. So the main thing is I'd really, really love for you to um, ask any questions or have some comments. And you can always do that by um, getting a hold of us on contact at chatsapphire.co.za. But I think the best way to contact us would be on Facebook. Uh, but join us on Facebook. It would be brilliant. And um, I know there's a WhatsApp button on the, on the Facebook page. So I think that's the easiest way to send us questions. I would love, love to hear your comments. So that's all I have to say for now. And uh, all I can say is happy birding, Alan out.